0: Hello and welcome to Wangaratta Baptist Church. My name is Pastor Aaron. I'm so thrilled that you've decided to join with us today for this message. This message was recorded live at one of our Sunday morning services, which are on every Sunday at 10am right here in Wangaratta. If you're here uh, in town on a Sunday, then why not come along and join with us in fellowship with other believers as we open the word together and hear from the scriptures. But if you are connecting with us online, don't let this replace, uh, coming to a, a local church. Uh, they are vitally important for the growth of all believers. And so get along to your local church. But if not, then, then at least help, let this be a supplement to help you in your walk with the Lord. And so we do believe that the, the scriptures are the inherent word of God and they're here to train us and equip us. And so we will be speaking and opening up the scriptures together. So, so get your Bibles out and follow along. And I trust that this message that you are watching today will really encourage you and inspire you and help you understand the hope that we do have in Jesus Christ. May it be a blessing to you. Lovely to have everybody here today. So nice to see you all. Um, how good is it? that a non-Christian praises the Lord because somebody else served Jesus by offering to pray for them. That's pretty good, hey? Does it remind you of a story from the book of Daniel where the king praised the Lord because of the faithful works of one of the Lord's servants? It is an absolute privilege to serve the Lord. There is no other way to put it than that. It is a privilege to serve Jesus. And uh, that's what what I'm preaching on today, is serving Jesus. We have two stories from the last half of Luke chapter 10 that both demonstrate what is required to serve Jesus. They both take a very different angle to this question and they reveal to us more about Jesus and his desire for us, his followers, as we serve him. The first is a very, 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 very well-known parable. You know what it is already before I even start talking, right? But let's put aside our ideas that we already have in our minds about the Good Samaritan. And try this morning to approach this with, a fresh, with fresh eyes, eager for understanding. Because this parable doesn't begin with a guy going down a road, getting beaten up. It begins with a question being posed to Jesus by a lawyer. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? It's always the lawyers making trouble, isn't it? Luke gives us his motivations. He wasn't trying to learn from Jesus. He desired only to justify himself. And so Jesus does the good thing of answering a question with a question. Love that. He said to him, verse 26, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And the lawyer answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbour as yourself. So this lawyer, with his intimate knowledge of the scriptures, the law, (laughs) responds that the answer to his own question is to love the the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of our emotions, will, and deepest convictions, with all our soul, with the immaterial part of who we are, with all of our strength, how we use our abilities and powers we have, and with all our mind, our reason love God with total devotion of our entire being and our neighbour as ourselves. And Jesus said to him in verse 28, you have answered correctly, do this and you'll live. So the lawyer knew the correct answer and Jesus instructs him to do what he has answered and that indeed would lead to life. But not everything was well with a lawyer. Verse 29, but he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbour? Don't you love that? Love your neighbour as yourself? Yeah, but but who is my neighbour? He revealed himself, this lawyer, as insincere. And in fact, he's trying to exclude responsibility for others by making some people non-neighbors he's trying to exclude groups of people he doesn't want to love he's trying to get jesus to make on a ruling on who his neighbor is and maybe today that lawyer might be saying to jesus but jesus not everyone's my neighbor right like muslims they're not my neighbor gays, they're not my neighbour. Migrants, they're not my neighbour. Surely, druggies, they can't be my neighbour. Bogans, nah, they're not my neighbour. Homeless people, no, they're not my neighbour. They don't even have a home. How could they be my neighbour if they don't have a home? What about smokers? I don't like them. They're not my neighbour, surely, Jesus. Greenies, they're not my neighbour, Jesus. Rich people, nah, they're not my neighbour, I don't live in that sort of town. Teenagers, oh, they're not my neighbour. <laughs> Insert any group you want to exclude as not your neighbour. That's what this lawyer was trying to do. He was trying to get permission to be able to classify people as non-neighbours. But listen to what Jesus says about this. came to where he was and when he saw him had compassion. He went to and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. A priest doesn't help this half-dead, beaten man. An upright Levite doesn't either. In fact, they both cross to the other side of the road. These two people, both Levites, the priest, a direct descendant of Aaron, and the other who assisted the priest in the temple, that's what Levites did, both show a clear unwillingness to love their neighbour. They had determined this beaten dude was a non-neighbour but then comes along a Samaritan. And culturally, it would have been unthinkable for a Samaritan to help a Jew. And so here Jesus is making the additional point that to love one's neighbour involves sharing, showing care and compassion even to those people whom we would not normally have any relationship the Samaritan ministers to the injured and suffering robbery victim. The poor bloke was too injured to walk and so is put on the Samaritan's animal who takes him to an inn where he cared for him and gives the innkeeper the equivalent of two days' salary to continue caring for him. And more than that, Jesus highlights the generosity of, of the Samaritans' compassion extending to paying for any further expenses as well. And so Jesus asks the lawyer in verse 36, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbour to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. Couldn't even say the Samaritan. The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. You see, the lawyer asks, who is my neighbour? Jesus corrects the question. It's not, who is my neighbour? The question is, how can I be a neighbour? How can I be a neighbour? The lawyer wanted to be able to exclude people from his responsibility to show love and compassion, And Jesus says, who can we include? Serving Jesus requires us to ask the same question. How can I be a neighbour? It's the opposite of trying to exclude people as non-neighbours. How can I show love and compassion to those around me, even those I might not normally associate with, I might not have a relationship with? How can I joyfully serve the people in our community. Maybe it might be in simple things like even how we think about some groups of people. Maybe instead of judgment, we can show compassion, love and care. See so who proved to be a neighbour? The one who showed mercy. Let's go and do likewise. How can we show mercy? You see, if the lawyer treated everyone with compassion and mercy, he would be loving his neighbour in the sense that God commanded. He would. And so Jesus shows us that the real test of love is action, not just profession. People can profess with their mouth to love you, yet their actions can speak a very different message. The lawyer knew the answer. He told Jesus the answer. He was able to correctly profess the answer. But he struggled with what really matters, putting it in action. You can say all the amens and yes, Aaron, yeah, that's right, you know, today. But unless you actually put it in action, your yeses and amens today mean nothing. Nothing. This parable obviously teaches that we should help other people who are in need when we encounter them, even though we may not have anything in common but our humanity. It's also powerful teaching against prejudice and for compassion. Jesus himself was the great example of the attitudes and actions that he advocated in this parable. Jesus here teaches his disciples and the lawyer what it means to love one's neighbour. But from this account, what weighs heavily on me is that showing love and compassion to my neighbours, of whom are countless, every single person I come into contact with, and even those I don't, are my neighbour, right? It seems like such an impossible task, an impossible thing to accomplish, How can I do that to absolutely everybody? I don't have the resources. I don't have the energy. And in my sinful nature, I often find that I don't even have the motivation or the will to either. It's an impossible standard that Jesus is setting. How can everyone respond in this way 100% of the time and meet all the needs of everyone that we come across? God's demands are impossible to keep perfectly. And so the only option for us is to cast ourselves on the mercy of God if we hope to obtain eternal life. That's why God lovingly provided the mercy and grace of his son Jesus whose blood covers our iniquity. That's why we can have hope because it's not reliant upon the works that we do. If it was, it would be religion. I hate religion. But on the sacrifice of Jesus is where God's mercy is fully experienced by us. It's not what we do, it's what he's done for us. So does this let let us off the hook? Does this mean we don't have to do it anymore because we can't, so why bother? No. This does not mean that we don't have to love our neighbour. It is God graciously recognising that we will not be able to do it perfectly as his son was able. We should continue to serve Jesus by loving our neighbours to the furthest extent of our abilities. We should serve Jesus by loving our neighbor, all of our neighbors, not excluding anyone for race, religion, creed, color, lifestyle, social standing, whether like bacon or not. Nothing. We serve Jesus by loving our neighbors of whom no one is excluded. That's the first story about serving Jesus. How can I be a neighbor? The second is quite different, but also reveals to us great insight into the kingdom of God and how we can serve Jesus well. Verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. Martha! No, Martha, 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 you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. Mary took the traditional place of a disciple, seating herself at Jesus' feet to listen and learn. Normally, rabbis did not permit women to do this in Jesus' day. But there she is, eagerly learning from Jesus. Martha's duties as a hostess, drew her attention away from Jesus, whom she evidently wanted to sit near and listen to as well. But she expressed concern that Jesus did not discourage Mary from sitting at his feet. She wanted him to encourage Mary to help her with the hostess duties. Her focus was on the job she had to do. Jesus showed concern for Martha's anxiety but he didn't do what she asked. The many things that bothered Martha were her excessive preparations for the meal. And I understand this. She wished to honour Jesus with an elaborate meal. I'm sure we'd all want to do that if we have that gift of hospitality. You want to, you know, welcome all your guests and provide them all with an elaborate meal if you can. But a simpler one would have allowed her some time to listen to a guest and that would have been better. There's always a a place for soup and toast, right? The few things in view were the things involved in simple entertaining. The one indispensable thing was listening to Jesus' teachings, which reflects an attitude of dependence. See, Jesus was telling Martha that the one thing that Mary had chosen was more important than the many things Martha had chosen to do. The implication was that Martha should listen more and labour less. The good part that Mary would not lose was the blessing that comes to those who pay attention to the teachings of Jesus with an attitude of dependence on him. Moran Weasby writes Few things are as damaging to the Christian life as trying to work for Christ without taking time to commune with Christ. If serving Christ makes us difficult to live with, then something's terribly wrong with our service. And so this then was a lesson in priorities for Martha and all of Jesus' disciples. Jesus' point was not that a contemplative life is better than an active life or that scholarship is preferable to, a, to, to domestic duties. Giving humble attention to Jesus' words is what's most important. This is the better way to serve him. This passage should be a warning to followers of Jesus who tend to be too active in Christian service and neglect the word of God. If you are too busy with all the things you are doing to serve Jesus but are not taking time to listen to him through his word, then it's time to reassess your priorities and invest more in communing with Christ than completing tasks for Christ. Busyness, even with legitimate and noble pursuits, can hinder our relationship with Jesus. Everything that he says is important, so let's not neglect learning from Jesus. This passage is also a key discipleship text, not in the comparison between Martha and Mary's tasks, but in how Martha has wrongly judged Mary's inaction and worries too much about what other people are doing. There are two main points. First of all, Martha's consumption with assessing others as she performs what she's called to do. That's the first one. And secondly, Mary's wisdom in seeking some time at the feet of Jesus. Martha is working tirelessly serving Jesus, yet the whole time she's doing it, She's complaining about the people she believes should be with her, doing what she is doing, serving Jesus like she is. You been there? Come on, be honest. You, we've been there. Why on earth? Where on earth is Mary? Why isn't she here helping me? How irresponsible of her to be sitting down With everyone else, when there's a meal to prepare, doesn't she know these people have to eat? I would love to be sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to him as well, but then how would anyone get fed? Oh, how would I look if I failed as a host to provide this meal deserving of Jesus? If she doesn't come out here soon, I'm going to have words with her and with Jesus for that matter. She's not setting a good example. She should be more like me and do what needs to be done before you put your feet up and listen to Jesus. I'm sure that were the thoughts going around her head and I'm sure that you've had them too. When you've been doing things and you felt alone and you felt like people should be supporting you and coming alongside you and doing what you're doing as well. We've been there. How often have thoughts like this gone through your head as you've been working, serving Jesus? Maybe you think it's time the next generation begin taking over from you and doing what you've been doing. Have thoughts like what Martha, most likely I reckon they went far off the mark, you know, have those gone through your head? Maybe you even share those thoughts and frustrations With other people as you work with them too. Or maybe you just keep your thoughts to yourself. But do you think from the the teaching of Jesus that they are the right thoughts? Not everyone is called to the unique ministry that God has called you to. There will be others with those passions, gifts, and calling that will come alongside and, and work with you. But we're all different. And that's really good. (laughs) Not everyone will feel called to what you are. And that's okay. In fact, that's brilliant. Maybe that's the reason, actually, that God has placed you where you are for his plans and purposes for a time such as this, where you can be of service to him and his people. So don't begrudge others when they don't join you or meet up with your expectations of them. Joyfully serve Jesus for his glory and the good of others, not for yourself. But there is a time to have the work ethic of Martha, to work hard and diligently for the Lord. Jesus doesn't say that the work she's doing is unnecessary or unwanted. It was important. But don't get so possessed and carried away with the work that you fail to take the time to commune with Jesus and invest in things that will bring blessing to your life for eternity. Serve Jesus well with both work and worship, taking the time to hear from Jesus, not just work for Jesus. In that sense, we should probably be a bit of a mix of the two bit of Mary, bit of Martha. I guess you could call that being a Mary Arthur. Take time to listen and to learn from Jesus and work hard and diligently serving Jesus for God's glory and our good. So today there's been two very unique stories and very different stories, both about serving Jesus. So what can we take away from these two accounts today? Well, first... We serve Jesus well when we love God and love our neighbour. The challenge for us is this how can I be a neighbour? And the second is that we serve Jesus well when we give humble attention to his words as well as the work he's called us to do. So the challenge for us is this do I need to be more Mary? Or more Martha? Or am I doing okay as a Mary Arthur? May you be encouraged today as you listen and learn from Jesus and as you joyfully serve him by loving God and your neighbour. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word that has been illuminated this morning, that shares with us the importance of loving our neighbour May we be better neighbours. And Lord, we also thank you for that story that's included in your scriptures of Mary and Martha. Lord, sometimes we are Marys, sometimes we're Marthas, and sometimes those things are needed, but not exclusively. And so may you help us sit and listen at your feet and help us work diligently and hard to serve you as well. May we listen and learn to you and serve you joyfully as we love God and our neighbour. May this message today stick. May it be constantly brought back to us by your Holy Spirit's prompting in moments where we have those tough thoughts that enter our mind about other people, and why aren't we getting the help we need? May we instead choose to love more and may we choose to serve you joyfully in what you've called us to do. And so may we find great blessing in fulfilling what you've called us to do as well. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.